Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's great to have you with us, as well as our guest who is joining us. Uh, we'll find out exactly where she's coming from, as well as where she's coming from as far as our subject matter for today. I think that you're going to uh, have a lot of fun with this program, ladies and gentlemen, because um, we talk on this program all the time about health and wellness, taking care of yourself, um, preventative health care as opposed to treating the issue, the problem, what have you. And today we're going to be talking with uh, a uh, CFT, an SPT, uh, SPN, CHWC, uh, CLC, ABCDEFG, Peggy uh, Wilms, I want to thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, we're going to get into all of the uh, meanings, of the, the, what those acronyms are, but thanks for being with us. You're looking well. Oh my gosh, that's the greatest acronym introduction I've ever had. Good morning, <laughs> Richard and everybody. I'm so glad I'm here. Well, I'm glad you're here too to help us to figure out uh, what ails us, so to speak, or how to prevent what ails us. Um, as I was sharing with you before we went on the air, um, uh, I had a bout uh, with a condition, which I've shared with our public uh, before, of type 2 diabetes back in 2020. And my understanding is that um, d you can have like your DNA tested or I don't know, your chromosomes or whatever. And it, will it might show you what you have the potentiality for. You're not going to get it but you have the potential for getting it depending upon how you take care of yourself. And I'm going to use that as a coverall from saying what you eat, what you drink, and where you live, and but how you care for yourself. And obviously, I had type 2 diabetes for a month and a half. Uh, maybe, well, maybe a little longer than that because it wasn't until I was diagnosed. And gone in a month and a half because I said, you know what? I don't want this. I, I know what the dangers are. I've had it for a minimum of three months. Um, all of my other A1Cs prior to that were, I, I actually did hit, uh, what would they call, what'd they call it, um, pre-diabetes uh, several years earlier and then brought it back down again. But it, it, it didn't click in my head. Uh, so we have the potential for heart disease and kidney problems and this and that and the other. Uh, we even have the potential for having certain organs fail on us. I, I actually had last July, which is interesting, July of 2020, uh, type 2 diabetes. Uh, July of 2021, um, I participated in the Olympic sport of the gallbladder clean and jerk, and I got a gold. Um, <clears throat> I asked the uh, doctor, the surgeon, if she would remove my, my, uh, my appendix because that, you know, could create problems. And she says, no, we don't do twofers here. Sorry. But it does seem as though there are some folks who, let's say it's in their genes, uh, their heredity. My mother says, oh, high blood pressure. Oh, that's in family. That's just, you have it because it's, you know, and I'm thinking but I don't have to. There's got to be a way to turn that around. Or any other condition, heart disease, or uh, and the list goes on. Um, how do you help people? Now, I understand, we've talked about this before, uh, uh, Peggy, 
um, how people usually won't come to you until they're ready. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure that even if they think they're ready, there's still going to be a little bit of resistance, right? Yeah. They're not ready for, they don't know what they don't know. And they're not ready for what they came. We often come with the expectation when my phone rings, I always say this, when my phone rings, it rings because people want me to tell them what to eat and tell them how to move. And gone is the day back in the day when I was just doing nutrition and personal training where people just, it's not enough anymore for people to walk in and to say, you're going to do three sets of 12 squats and, you know, here, <laughs> eat some kale and have a good day. You know, health and nutrition, health and wellness is much more than squats and kale. And um, so what I do is mostly self-discovery because I strongly believe over the years, over 30 years I've been in this industry, um, I can tell you one thing. It's when you get home, the secret sauce is in their real world. The secret sauce is not in going to the gym or hiring a trainer or a nutritionist or a boot camp or even surgery. Those can get you results, but it's how did you get there? What habits got you there? What is your lifestyle? How hard do you work? Do you have two jobs or no jobs Four kids or six? So we have to get into that person's real world. How do you deal with stress? How much do you sleep? And the more I can dissect and help them with their self-discovery to figure out how they got there, then we can figure out how they can, you know, mold this health, wellness and life balance into their real world. Because it's it is not cookie cutter. I'm so sick and tired of everybody. You know, you can write a book. Fantastic. Write a book. Dr. Phil thinks he can write weight loss books. Have a good day. Whatever. Um, so he writes a weight loss book. It sells millions and millions. And then Dr. Phil goes away. He goes back to his real job. And the books sell millions, good for him, fantastic. And it also helps tons of people. But what after the book? What happens after they lose their 19.9 pounds and then they start to put it back on or they go through stress? And so my point with this, long story long, is that when people, when my phone rings, it, people are coming to me almost like they're going to tell me how to help them. And that's not the way it works. So we kind of peel back all this. What you said at the beginning of the show that I loved is I always say that health and wellness needs to be proactive versus reactive. We are a very reactive society. Oh, yeah. Right. And so the other examples that you gave that I love, I, I will buck up to anyone who says something is hereditary. There are so many be behavioral modifications that we can make. Um, you know, if I didn't inherit smoking from my mama, I potentially didn't have to inherit her blood pressure or her cholesterol. We all have an opportunity to take the actions that we need to be to, to change the behaviors of the food that goes in our mouth, whether we move, how we sleep, how we deal with stress and emotions. And so being proactive, you know, there's another thing that you said about being pre-diabetic. What I find is when people haven't already experienced what we're warning them about, they haven't been there without eyesight and without their big toes. And if they haven't been there with, you know, gaining 200 pounds, when you talk to them about what could happen, it's not going to hit home until it hits home for many people. Yeah. And it's, it's so, uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And one of the other aspects here that I would, I definitely want to talk about here. Um, and we're going to bring current events into this a little bit. We, we try not to because, Again, number one, we want to keep uh, we're, we're trying to uplift people and keep it um, uh, informative, educational, and, and we're trying to help people. We're not trying to shame anybody. We're not judging anybody. We're just trying to say, look, you know, we're here's where we are and and where do we want to be 
in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, so I use this example, and I definitely want your input on this. There was a study done in June of 2020 in New York City in those refrigerator trucks of all of the people who had died of COVID or COVID-related issues. 99% of those people surveyed, if you will, uh, it showed that 99% of them died from underlying issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart conditions, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I would ask, okay, can I ask, um, based upon those uh, criterion, what was their weight to start with? What was their weight? It seems to me, Peggy, that our society, specifically here in the United States, and uh, it disturbs me when we want to um, export democracy or import it into another country, because look at what free enterprise and capitalism has gotten us in this country. As far as our food supply, as far as our nutrition, I haven't been tested for the virus since it was first declared a pandemic. I have had the J&J vaccination in June of 2020 or 21. I guess it was 21. Anyway, doesn't matter. My wife's been tested over and over again. She works in the medical field. Negative across the board. Every test she's had, negative. She has also had the uh, vaccination, but also has a note from her doctor that she cannot get the booster because of the adverse effects. In any event, it seems to me that over the decades up to this point, it's, and, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but let's just say uh, that the, uh, uh, the powers that be say, you know what, we, the population's getting a little too large. We need to cull the herd. Uh, we need to create a virus that will take people out. So, well, first of all, we're going to uh, we're going to destroy their immune systems. We're going to reduce the effectiveness of the immune system to do the job that it was designed to do uh, by pumping antibiotics into them every time they have a problem. All kinds of other medications that we don't really need because our body is the greatest pharmaceutical company in the world, in the universe, quite honestly. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to undermine all that so that uh, somewhere in the 21st century, we're going to release this bug that will take out a lot of people. Now, again, I'm not a believer in conspiracies, but boy, it almost seems like the dominoes look alike, look like, and looks can be deceiving, looks like that's what's happening. Uh, but just looking at it superficially, it seems like many of the people who have that we've lost in the last two years, wouldn't have if they had taken care, better care of themselves, if they didn't have those underlying conditions. And then even working into the scenario, what you just said about heredity. Your thoughts. Okay, here we go. Um, I think it's, again, where we are today is based off of a reactive society. I strongly don't believe anybody sat down with a outline and said, let's pick this date and make crap happen. I do believe that we've gotten to the place with 
reactive behaviors. So people get sick, let's make more antibiotics. People are now, you know, getting sicker. So let's look at their nutrition. We're going to do more tests, more utilization. I worked for a gazillion years with physicians on overutilizations of tests. I met with them a million times saying, why did you do two MRIs last week on the exact same organ? So I understand how reactive behavior can happen in any field, whether you're an employer, I was in corporate wellness for 25 years. So that reactive behavior and having to now answer to so many more people because of social media has created a frenzy. And so to answer your question, do I think if people were healthier, would they survive these types of viruses and things coming at us? Absolutely. If we were healthier, we could deal with more stress. If we were healthier, maybe the divorce rate would be down and people wouldn't react ridiculously and just say, peace out, I'm out of here. But I still believe that we can control what we can control. And that is starting with our own vessel, like shut your mouth, hunker down, figure (laughs) out your own experiment. You know, how do foods react inside your body? Make a decision. Mm -hmm. How does certain exercise work for you? Make a decision. If you have, um, you know, toxic relationships around you, make a decision. I have so many clients I've pulled off in the last year and a half. I've learned more about my clients in the last year and a half. We've all learned more about each other in the last year and a half, but the mental health side of it, we all know that suicide and, you know, mental health has increased over the years and we're finally getting a little bit more attention to it. But in the last year and a half, I've really been able to dive into their brain on how they cope and how they see the world. And I am not shocked at how we've responded to politics or sexuality or religion or the medical world now that I'm in their brains because of how they've reacted with the pandemic. But When you say underlying conditions, I can go back to my family tree and say three women died around 70 years old in my family and all of them at some point in time smoked Mm. behavioral modification. Okay. Stroke, emphysema, heart conditions. Were they all overweight? No, not one of them, but they all smoked and none of them ate well. I mean, we could go through everybody's life history. We're just looking at something to put a tag on them and, you know, your New York study, I was aware, I'm aware of some of the studies from up there and trying to label people. And I don't agree with that. But the argument, you pinged me when you mentioned something about how society, maybe I'm reading into your quote, your statement here, but I've watched over the years since like the 1980s, I've watched the sizes of pants change. I've watched the BMI ranges change. I've watched the obesity diagnoses all of a sudden show up in ICD-10 books. What I'm meaning is a size eight is now a size 12. So back in the 70s and 80s, if a woman was wearing a size eight jeans, if you take those side by side, they look very much like a size 10 or 12 would back then. Why are we doing that? Perhaps to make us feel a little bit better because society is gaining a little bit of weight. When you look at the BMI ranges or the acceptable weight, they're opening up. You know, what we weigh today wasn't acceptable 30, 40 years ago. It just wasn't. Mm -hmm. But the conversation is swaying. The boundaries sway like this to make us feel better. It really does. I'll say it like it is. Um, It's not okay to be 100 pounds overweight. And it's not being mean or judgmental. I want them to feel better. I want to change the world. I want them to change the world. I want everybody to have the best quality of life. And putting... What are the statistics? If you're 10 pounds overweight, that's 40 pounds of extra pressure on those joints. So 10 pounds overweight. 
So if you're a hundred, let's do the math. Your ankles are going to hurt. You're not going to feel well. Yeah. So my whole mission in life has been to get into people's lives, go deep. I like to go deep, not lateral. I like mm-hmm. to get in there, figure out the messy. I do not, you know, when I got certified back in 1989, way back when the Berlin Wall came down, I was actually over there, living over there. You did not discuss sexuality, politics in my profession. You didn't even bring that up. You didn't bring up spirituality. You did not. It was straight up Western medicine. And over the years, I've watched that in beautiful, beautiful ways change. But I still have to draw the line where I have to stay away from, you know, the the news and the media and all of this stuff because my clients have, I got to come, I'd, they'd be a mess. If they, I have to keep my opinion sometimes to myself and just do it on my radio shows. But yeah, I don't, I, I agree with you. Yeah, the numbers for COVID may be super, super high and the most everybody has autoimmune stuff or they have hidden underlying things. And if they took care of themselves, we'd be potentially here, but yeah, yeah, still here. We're talking with uh, Peggy uh, Wilms and we're talking about health and wellness. She does have a website, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, she does. (laughs) And that website, she even referenced it. It's uh, Peggy Wilms and it is uh, P-E-G-G-Y-W-I-L-L-M-S.com. You know, um, my last name being Dugan, there is an O Dugan from Ireland, and I don't know if you're from Ireland or you have heritage there, but it sounds to me like uh, uh, you lost to the uh, IA uh, over the over the side of the ship when you came over from uh, from the uh, from Europe. Uh, yes, <laughs> I lost the English and kept the German. There you go. There you go. But we encourage folks to go to your website to find out more about the work that you are doing in health and wellness. And when we continue, I want to talk a little bit about those acronyms that we uh, talked about at the front end of the program as we continue talking here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and this program is here uh, to bring you new paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. We're on Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeart, Amazon Music, and so many more uh, locations on the Internet that uh, I don't have the breath for it. But we are also on um, YouTube. Almost, uh, I said iTunes already. Uh, YouTube, where you can listen to and watch these interviews. We hope that you'll subscribe, either or both, to the podcast and video cast. And um, we also hope that you will take time uh, to uh, participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within, to sit still, be quiet, in that calm, peaceful place, and listen to the still small voice to uh, give you encouragement. To It's not going to judge you. It's not going to shame you. I guarantee you that. It's going to guide you. It's going to inform you about what you need. And uh, maybe take a little time to get to know who you really are. Who you really are. That's why we call it Perfect Vision, the 2020s, because that's the only place you're going to get perfect vision. You're not going to get it on the outside. I don't care what your ophthalmologist says, okay? And then if you would like to support the work that we're doing here on the program, we would greatly appreciate that as well. 
We have a PayPal account. It is for your security as well as ours, and uh, we hope that you will uh, support us financially. And if you can do so, when you go there to uh, send your contribution, uh, they're going to ask you for the email address to whom the contribution is going to. And the email address is Richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. So whatever you can send us, we will take energetic support as well. Uh, we'll to put it all to good use for this program to do what uh, Peggy has already said, to change the world for the better for everybody, not just a select few. This is not about creating some kind of a pedestal I can stand on. Forget it. I don't want to stand on no pedestal. I have a height anxiety. I'm not afraid of heights. It's just that once I get up there, <laughs> I was standing on the top of the 25-story building on the radio, at the radio station I was working for back in Phoenix. I had no problem getting up on the roof and looking out from maybe 6 or 8 or 10 feet from the edge. But then when I walked over to the edge and I'm looking down, <laughs> although my wife would not believe that uh, because when we were in Ireland, Peggy, uh, we went to uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, Aran Islands, Inishmoor. And uh, we walked out, we went to this um, granite fortress that had been created there, prehistoric granite fortress. And there was this giant granite slab that was laid out all the way to the edge and hanging about four feet out over the edge of the cliffs. And with no fear whatsoever, I sat down on that granite stone with my feet hanging out over the ocean and I snapped pictures. No fear, not even any anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And of course, my wife is constantly, what are you doing? Where did you say the insurance policy was? <laughs> uh, it wasn't until that night when I got into bed. <clears throat> we were staying on uh, another island, uh, which is uh, on uh, the island of I Ireland, uh, but it was, uh, uh, what they called it an island, Inishni. And... Uh, it was a stone cottage, stone, okay? And with 70 mile an hour winds when we first drove in, uh, I'm glad it was made of stone, the fear hit me. I was, at that point, I was afraid of falling off of the granite stone. And, I'm, I, and I kept trying to tell myself intellectual, look, you are safe and warm in this bed. How do you think you're going to fall off that? And yet it kept coming over me until finally it, it went away. Uh, so it's real interesting. But people have fear, too, of looking at themselves, looking at their health. And you said something very important. I don't know if you watch much television, but there's this one program called, um, I believe it's called Us. And there's this, and it's a very, very popular uh, program. They, their last season is underway right now, I believe. And there's one gal in there. She's very heavy set. Uh, and I believe she does have a beautiful, gorgeous singing voice. Yeah, I do know the show, yes. And she has a beautiful, beautiful face, but all of the weight that she's carrying. And I sit there, not shaming her and not judging her, but the thought goes through my mind. Just as it did when I first was introduced to Adele, who was very heavy. And I'm going, you really need to lose some weight. Not because I think you're uglier. No, no, no. But because... You are doing damage to your body, and you're not going to be here for very long if you don't do something, as you said, to reduce the pressure on your body. 
You know, I always say that we are all addicted to something. We all are an aholic of something. And so many times before somebody's vessel, their body reacts, the damage is done. The trauma is there. The, the, the self-loathing um, or lack of self-confidence has gotten their vessel to that place. That's like the outcome, the last thing that happens that we mm-hmm. visually can see or we have a result from. And many people who have had issues or whatever, and we all do, that then all of a sudden affect our vessel, whether it's migraines or it's a heart attack or it's diabetes or overweight or whatever, we have to peel back the onion. We have to figure out and and dig deep into the why and, and figure out what got us there. And that's the hard work. And that doesn't get dialed back. I've worked with a lot of anorexics and bulimics over the years and People have a hard time understanding this, but it's a control issue. When you can control your food, whether it goes in your mouth or out of your mouth or how you deal with the emotions, it's much like gambling, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's much like that in the sense of you're seeking it to make you feel better. You're seeking it to remove an emotion. You're seeking it because you don't have the coping skills quite yet. And as you can deal with your aholic or your addiction, because that's the whatever, So if somebody is a recovering alcoholic, there is a nervousness of them then moving to drugs or sex or whatever it might be. So we have to deal with that, what the dopamine reward system says, wow, that was great. Wow, that cake was amazing and made me feel better or that pack of cigarettes. So dialing that back is the tough stuff and is a lot of work and it is can be sad and can be lonely. And people come to me thinking they already have to be mostly fixed. I'm like, no, I don't want you after you think you've tried to fix things. That's just more wiring and embedding of things that might not work. Come to me when you feel embarrassed. Come to me when you are a a messy mess, because then at least it's raw and we can start, you know, right, right there. But when I look at what I say, Richard, is if we all closed our eyes and we couldn't see the world, what would we feel? And if we couldn't see overweight and we couldn't see homeless and we couldn't see uh, somebody who didn't have a leg and we couldn't see any of that stuff, we would feel their heart. We would feel their energy. We'd feel if they're a good person. That's where the conversation takes place. Uh, I wouldn't know she was overweight or anybody else was overweight if we couldn't see it. Yeah. So then you start to have the conversation of, oh, my gosh, you're insecure or, oh, my God, whatever it may be. Oh, my gosh, you had sexual abuse when you were five. Let, and my eyes are closed and hers are closed. Let's talk about it. Well, now what do you do to cope with that? Well, I eat and my eyes are closed. Mike, well, let's talk about that. When do you do it? What time of day? How does it make you feel? That's where the compassion would come. That's where the resolution would come. No, we open our eyes. We open our eyes instead of using our ears and that's not going to solve anything. It's, it's workaholism is my aholic. I am a workaholic. And so the perfectionism and that type of pressure that society puts on you when I was very young is my aholic is, is praised. Oh, she works 15 hours a day. Fantastic. Oh, she's a perfectionist. Wow. That's amazing. So I was addicted to the, that drug of which everybody's saying, good job. Cool. Well, you can only do that for so long, especially as an entrepreneur, when if you get sick or ill, there's no one to pick up the pieces. No one does anything for you if you're the one running the show. So eventually I had to get to the place where I am now 
is it is collaborations and it is relationships and it is letting people in and all that vulnerability and transparency is tough when you're a coach. It's tough when you're a doctor and you're trying to help others. And then you look like you haven't got it figured out. Like that's tough. Yeah. Like now you're going to help me, you know? Um, it's, it's almost along those lines of, and I've, I've even talked with uh, different people on this program about that uh, in terms of, uh, so who is your therapist? Who is your doctor? Who is your physician, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's just really interesting to, to think about that in terms of, of um, how are you taking care of yourself? Because, I mean, would you feel comfortable going to an obese physician? You know, um, my physician, not, not only does he have a great bedside manner, as it were, but uh, he, um, uh, he is, he is, he's straightforward, number one, but he's also um, very complimentary when he sees through the test results, you're actually doing the work. You're actually doing it. And, and he says, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I mean, like I was telling you earlier, uh, you know, he used the word miraculous uh, to describe my turnaround of my type 2 diabetes. You know, I wish I was able to, and I'm, I'm trying to find the outlets for this, and you maybe I'll have to talk to you about this later. Uh, I, I want to turn around this whole thing of high blood pressure. You know, I don't want to be taking these meds the rest of my life. I don't care if what my, I mean, my mother told me when I was visiting them at Christmas time, uh, she says, did you know that uh, even as you, uh, as you get older, yes, you do get shorter, but did you know that your feet also get bigger? you got to be kidding me. She says, no. She says, I've gone up uh, a couple of shoe sizes, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the last 15, 10 or 15 years. Uh, and it's just what happens. Your feet get bigger. And I don't know, maybe for some people, I suppose it would be because they're carrying more weight. But my mother's not. I mean, my mother's almost skinny as a rail, but she's always been thin. She's never been heavy. Neither has my father. So we kind you of know, come from I, good stuff. I lived so as I was saying, working with the the eating disorder, you know, population. Mm -hmm. It and I had an eating disorder for about twenty years. So I was an under eater, but I wasn't. I I wasn't an anorexic, you know, anorexia nervosa, where I looked in the mirror and I had body dysmorphia. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm chubby. I was always lean. I was always active. I ate well. I competed. I helped others. But I'll tell you right now, I stood in front. Uh, it was in 2014. I stood in front of hundreds of people who were at the University of Colorado where I was working with the extreme weight loss TV show boot camps. I had 25 coaches I was training, transformation coaches, fitness coaches, where we were helping everyday normal people for a full year. We would follow. We had nine boot camps. We followed each of the 33 people for of the nine groups, so hundreds of people. I stood in front of them. All of them, almost all of them overweight, 98% of them, they're overweight. Some were close, need to lose 10 or 20 pounds, but most of them, my largest client was 547 pounds. Mm. Okay. I stood in front of them in my small frame and them looking at me like, yeah, girl, you got it figured out. And as I paced back and forth, I said, this is it. I'm going transparent. And I got bubbled up and I got ticked off and one gal literally said to me, well, if I look like you, I wouldn't be sitting here. And it bubbled me up. And I just looked at her and I said, the discrimination that I receive for you assuming that inside this vessel is healthy is unacceptable. 
Mm-hmm. I can't look at you and approach you in a restaurant and say, wow, you need two chairs. But you can look at me and say, put on some clothes because you're cold. You can look at me and say, hey, put on some weight. You're thin. You can say if so the, it's a reverse discrimination. But just because someone looks thin, you guys, does not mean they're healthy, does not mean I don't have heart disease or thyroid disease or autoimmune or blood disorder. All of those I'm saying are true of me. You don't know that at five foot six, 125 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And people think in my profession, I'm out running marathons, eating kale all day and sitting in my bedroom meditating. I am telling you right now, if you are a coach, do you want a coach that hasn't got their life together? No, probably not. But you want one who's worked through it, who understands you. Do you want a physician that's 547 pounds? No, you do not. But you want one that, like you said, Richard, that understands and commends you. We do want to hire experts. I'm not crazy. Hire me because I'm an expert. I want to be on your show because you're an expert. I don't have the time to potentially be on someone's show today if I'm busy that isn't an expert. We seek our experts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I, I when I was thinking of corporate wellness, one of the things I really, really do want to chat about today is corporate wellness because I just because I've really seen a shift in employees in the last year and a half with COVID. Oh yeah. And now that employees are home, you know, like I said, I was in corporate wellness for 25 years where I'm helping. I was the middleman. I was the one helping the employees or the widget makers, let's just say. Um, and then I'm working with leadership. So I'm the middle person going, how can we make our employees happy and stay? And less turnover and just make them, you know, want to come back tomorrow. And leadership is looking at me saying, hey, reduce absenteeism, cut down the disease states. We've got to save on the bottom line, you know, cost so much for turnover. So I'm going back and forth. So several years ago, I worked on a program where we really tried to get leadership to walk the talk and talk the walk. Like smarten up, stop giving gift cards for people and putting $5 Starbucks cards on there. Go for a walk with them. Get out, take the vending machines away and actually eat, try to get them to actually show that they are real people instead of making people feel like you want something out of them. This last year and a half, if people were to say to me, what's changed in corporate wellness, you know, what's working, what's not working. I got to tell you, I don't know what's working. What I have seen with employees going home, it's almost gone the other way. It's almost like the conversation is. Now we're not going to pay for rent for this high rise for you to come here, Mr. Lawyer, and work every day because now you can work from home. So now you're going to go home. You're going to work from home. You're going to get confused with your efficiency by doing laundry all day. (laughs) You're going to stay home. You're going to eat more. You're not going to move. You're going to work 17 hours a day because now you don't know anything about boundaries. We're not going to ask you about how you're doing. We're not going to care about your medical benefits. And it's worse than it's ever been. It, it, and the turnover is worse than it's ever been. And how can we make that better? We have to start doing like your physician's doing with you, Richard. And that's showing that we care about the baby steps. We care when they do little things like when you changed your numbers, it was miraculous, but you did, you did baby steps. And I don't know if I were to go back to work for a corporation right now, I'd have my hands full. Mm. I had my hands full on how to make people are walking out every day. I went to my physician's office yesterday and I said to her, can I have my lab work done at a lab that's closer to my house? And she said, yeah, I would have it done there because here we can't keep any employees. 
Oh, <laughs> it's my physician's office saying this. I'm like, I'm just talking about a blood draw. And she said, we can't keep anybody here. And it's a big clinic. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm I, rambling. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's truly an amazing thing that uh, we we are really some of us are really doing the best we can. Uh, and of course, then there's there's the whole issue of uh, um, like insurance. And I'm not talking about the inability of of uh, uh, the insurance companies to do what is right. I you know, I have to ask the question here, especially in a uh, sidebar, a sidebar thing. Uh, and that being, um, I want to sue the insurance companies for malpractice because um, they're not doctors. And they are actually prescribing a, a course of treatment or what have you, or they're denying uh, a prescription or course of treatment. And it's like, well, wait a minute. There's something called malpractice, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> you can't do that. You cannot tell me, uh, my physician says that I need this. Are you a doctor? You're not. Now, I don't care if you have doctors on staff. They're not my physician. I'm an individual. Uh, I am not the same as you, and you're not the same as me. Would you want me to be diagnosing you? I guarantee you, you wouldn't, you know, the last thing you want is for me to tell you, you know, uh, how you should, how you should take care of yourself and what you should be eating, drinking, what medications and so forth. That's my big bugaboo with the insurance companies is that they tell the doctors what to do instead of the other way around. Uh, and I recognize the whole issue of fraud and that and this, that and the other thing and hypochondriacs and blah, 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 blah. But uh, that's a whole nother story. I want to get into that conversation about um, the corporate wellness, corporate health. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan. I'm here with Peggy Wilms, PeggyWilms.com. And by the way, Peggy, we are going to be linked to your website so people can find out more about the work that you are doing. But I want to find out, before we go into corporate wellness, I want to uh, come back to uh, something that I, 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 I sort of kind of in a way sidestepped a little bit. I want to talk about the acronyms. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna rattle them off one at a time here. You just give us the basics and they're really simple. And what that means? CFT, Certified Fitness Trainer. And uh, what does a certified fitness trainer do for moi? <laughs> you, I, I really um, everything. I, well, I shouldn't say everything. Obviously, I wouldn't have other acronyms. But certified fitness trainer. So I've been a fitness trainer, a personal trainer, a movement trainer um, since 1989. I've kept my certifications up over the years through various, um, you know, organizations. And so mostly that was coming from the personal training, physical training aspect. Of course, there's nutrition involved in there too. But, and then the SPN is sports performance nutritionist. So sports per performance specificity. So depending on kind of what sport our nutrition changes, so that is sports performance nutrition. And then I'm a certified health coach, certified wellness coach, certified life coach. And yes, there is a difference if anyone would like to call me and talk about it. <laughs> and is everybody a coach out there today? Yes, apparently they are. That's what I loved about uh, 2020 March uh, and oh. in the media. 
I, I want to know, I want to see the credentials that prove that you, Mr. Anchorman or woman, are an epidemiologist. It was absolutely amazing. It is two years into this thing, and I don't have my credentials as an epidemiologist, okay? I just don't. Uh, and I don't, I don't really want it. I would rather have my, uh, my, my, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? My PhD in eclectic studies, because that's what this program provides me, uh, with eclectic studies. Um, it's been fascinating, but I always find that interesting how people all of the sudden they just, um, oh, we know it all now. And it's like, yeah, you don't know anything. You don't even have a clue. <laughs> it's it's um i remember back in the day so i graduated let's just date ourselves here early 84 and it was just coming kind of into the concept again of acronyms after your name matter peggy you're not you got to get to college and get your bachelor's degree I and mean, it was just kind of coming back in prior to that when i was a teenager and you know working and lifeguard and all that stuff it was like work matters, get your feet out there, get dirty. And you know, the years matter, work experience matters. So as I came into the college piece of it, and acronyms after your name matter, you know, it seems like every 10 years, it kind of switches based off of who cares, I don't know. But now that I'm 30 years later, I can sit before you confidently and say, if you stay within an industry, any amount of years parenting for crying out loud, you're good at something. You got some good experience somewhere and you've probably been involved with a lot of people. And that's where I'm extremely confident in what I do. I've been exposed to a lot of people, a lot of behavioral management, a lot of studies, and I am extremely confident in being able to coach all things. And that's why my business is all things wellness. I feel like I'm the all things wellness coach. My framework, my trademarked all things wellness wheel is is all things because it's not just mindset and nutrition and exercise. It is creativity. It is lifestyle. It is spirit. It is organization and relationships and coping skills. And it's a lot to balance. And that's why we're a mess today because we don't realize that we only have 168 hours a week. What do we do with it? It's all those areas. Wait a minute. 168 hours. That's, that's what, right, that's my what it boils do do down to. That's all you have. Holy mackerel. I have a document I have people fill out and I have all the co different columns of the categories that they spend their time in. And so they, for a week, and it's, it's excruciating to keep track of where you spend their time because people don't want to do it. And the majority of them want to lie to me. They're embarrassed to say they, you know, do Candy Crush 20 hours a week. But I'm like, then don't come to me and tell me that you want to lose 50 pounds and you're going to work out five days a week and you're going to cut your carrots on Sunday. Don't come to me and tell me that if you're not going to tell me if you have the hours to do it, because you're just going to upset, you're going to upset yourself. You're not going to hit the goals. Yeah. So we build in what's reasonable, but 25, I would say 30 ish hours is the average amount of hours. My clients watch TV when they come to me. Wow. You know, it's interesting. The parallels to that, uh, number one is uh, Gordon Ramsay and uh, Kitchen Nightmares. And the restaurant calls him and says, we need help. We've got problems, blah, blah, blah. They come in. He comes in. He does an evaluation and he starts telling them, here's what you need to do to make your restaurant successful. And he gets resistance. Of course, that's what makes the show like you would not believe. It's just absolutely amazing. Then there's another program uh, on demand. I think it's on Hulu. Uh, my 600 pound life. Uh, 
And these people uh, are, are going to this specific physician to uh, go through, I don't know if it's gastric bypass or whatever the surgery is. However, mm-hmm. before they even get to that point, they have to lose X number of pounds based upon how much they weigh right now in order, because the surgery wouldn't be safe for them if they did it right then and there. Uh, and so, all right, we're going to give you a month or two months or whatever, whatever the time period is. And they'll come in. And of course, they're being videoed, obviously, at home as well. And uh, uh, they're not following the diet. They're eating the chips and they're eating the fried chicken and they're eating the this and the that and the other. And then they come back in and they're all upset because the doctor says, you're not in a position to where you can have the surgery yet because, and I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you another month and you're going to have to lose X number of pounds. Uh, and if you don't, then we're uh, I'm gonna, we're going to have to cut ties because you're obviously not really willing to do this. Right. It seems as though there is a psychological element to all of this, which I would also like to talk about. But we're going to continue here in just a moment talking with Peggy Wilms about health and wellness and her website and the work that she does here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I want to jump Peggy into because uh, I do want to get to that whole issue of uh, the will, the willpower. Okay. Uh, my wife and I got into a conversation about that when we were watching the commercials for the various, uh, type two diabetes medications. But before we go there, I want to talk about this whole issue of, is it health or, and or wellness, corporate health and or wellness? Uh, first of all, define that for us. What do you mean by that? The difference of health and wellness or corporate? Yeah. The corporate aspect, the corporate aspect. Yeah. I don't really know the year it was coined. I want to still say it was the 70s or 80s when it really started to be, oh, we're going to go into the corporation and we're going to try to make them healthy and well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was really driven by finances. And there was the, you know, I'm pre-HIPAA days, right? So I was back before it was crossing the line to know about anybody's diabetes at work. I mean, it was, it was that, that you couldn't, Whoa. And then HIPAA came along and now we really can't discuss certain things. But corporations really were looking at the bottom line. They're like, you know, oh, my gosh, we have a revolving door here and they're not staying. And why aren't they staying? And it was, you know, the majority of the companies, it's a little bit of trickery. I'm just going to say my heart in the 20s, when I my 20s, when I started doing corporate wellness, my heart went into corporations when I went in to help them was I am so excited to make these guys come to work and show them how to eat healthier. I don't know if you guys will remember lunch and learns and we're going to bring in speakers and we're going to talk about these healthy subjects and we're going to get rid of these yucky vending machines. But sincerely from my heart, it amped up with let's talk about stress and all of those things. Quickly, I as the inside scoop, once I became on staff, it is a little bit of a quandary with leadership and the employees. The messaging coming across in leadership meetings often is. We are in the red. Where is the red coming from? Our employees, are they sick? Have they had a lot of surgeries? They're looking at the insurance dollars and saying, where is the utilization? Is it on diabetes? Is it on surgeries? Is it on whatever? And so they're wanting to change those disease states so that they don't spend as much money on the patient through their insurance and they're not out sick and they're not using their vacation and sick leave And so leadership then comes together with their corporate wellness coordinator and director and HR and says, how can we do this? How can we make it better? Well, let's do a survey and see what employees want. Well, what do they want? 
They want you to tell them you're doing a good job. Thanks for showing up. You're doing a good job. And I'm going to pay you for the great job that you do. And you're a lovely person. They really want that. They want words of affirmation and be respected. That's what they want. They don't want a Starbucks gift card. They don't want to read one more document about diabetes. They will go off wherever. They don't want this fakery anymore. And corporate wellness succeeded really well, I think, for about 15 or 20 years. I mean, I was part of a program, a trademark program I helped develop. And we brought in a, we built a fitness center. So we had all of the cardio equipment. I was the trainer on site. We brought in fresh produce and fruit and a massage therapist. I mean, it was extensive. And it was expensive. <laughs> when you look at the bottom line, the comparative, did employees, were they happy? Did they stay there? Yeah, but are, but are, is the, are the majority of companies today wanting to go to that level and just, you know, Richard, what I think has happened in the past is we said, here, I'm the president of a company, here you go. I'm going to bring in fruits and vegetables, look at me, care for you. They want to see you, Mr. President, come sit in there and have an orange with them. They want to see you go for the walk that you told them they had to just go for. Because otherwise, they're not buying what you're selling. It's not corporate wellness. It's, em it's employee, please get healthier wellness. And it... it you know, and I don't know what the packages are now. I left corporate wellness and I left corporations in 2016 to start my own business. So I can't tell you what's out and about right now, to be honest. I can't tell you what they're sincerely doing to make employees healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, could be more of the same. Anybody's welcome to email me. That would be lovely. Let mm -hmm. me know. Absolutely. I uh, have... No interest in going back to that environment because I left with a little bit of a filthy taste in my mouth. I left tired from corporate America. I left discouraged. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be dampened down one more time on my creativity. I was sick of policies and procedures. I was sick of being told what to do when I cared about the employee first. And I said, screw it. I'm going to do it on my own and I'll go down with the ship doing it but I sincerely care about the people. And I know you're this way too, Richard. When we help people, they help people who help people who help people. What's that called? I mean, that's multiplicity on overload. Sincerely come from your heart. I wake up every day. I lay in bed. I do my belly breathing, my gratitude, and my intentions for the day. And I never leave my bed until I say, help others, help others, help others. I mean, that's, I scream that in my head. And that's the type of wellness that I want to be a part of, not something that the CEO is trying to sell to me. It, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail from this show, Richard. Well, <laughs> You're you going to give me so bad things. I'll tell you what. I'll, I, you know, I'll just, I'll just forward it on to you. Um. <laughs> I know, no, please. I'm used to it after all these years. Trust me, I can handle it. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's. I think that the, the one of the biggest problems that we have um, in in and, and of course, when I was thinking of of the the whole corporate wellness, I was thinking in terms of not so much business as much as um, as a nation uh, collectively, we are the corporation, uh, or or let's let's do corporate wellness. You and me and everybody else in our our family, city, state, nation, and hopefully the world, but everybody else around the world has their own 
processes. Uh, but it just, I just, I just find it so fascinating from the standpoint that you talk about getting the hate mail, and it's like, well, wait a minute, why can't we have this conversation? Why can't we talk about this? This is too important. And and I guess the other aspect of it too is certain companies. I'll use that term. Uh, they may be corporations as well, but there are certain companies that I find it fascinating that they know good and well, it's been proven by memos and this and that and the other thing over the years that, for example, the cigarette manufacturers know, have known from probably the very beginning that their product oh. was killing their customers. They did the tests, they did the studies before they sold the products. But they didn't care because here's the problem that, well, yes, it is the money, but they know the money will keep coming in even if their customers die because we keep having more kids. We keep having more offspring. The population is fast approaching 8 billion if it isn't already there. And I, of course, I put out the question, when, uh, uh, how many do we need? I mean, come on, how many do we really need? But from the, from the business standpoint, oh, we need more. We need even more. We need 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 billion people because we need to keep making more and more and more. And it doesn't matter if our customers die because there are new customers on the way. But you bring up a really super good point because if, if, if health and wellness is about in life, so that's why life coaching is different than health and wellness. Mm -hmm. Health, you kind of look at the whole medical aspect of it. What is your blood test? Do you go get your teeth cleaned? What are you doing at the doctor every year? Have you had your pap smear? Health. Wellness is that whole wellness, well-being type aspect of kind of bringing in the, do you feel well? Do you feel happy? Do you feel, the lifestyle piece of it is way bigger than that. I mean, it's not only the balance of the health and the wellness, but it's like, what are you doing on Friday night? Who are you hanging out with? I'm getting back to the cigarettes. Learn behavior is a big deal. And especially when you look at cultural ethnicity, it, financially, how you grew up, it, it doesn't matter. Cigarettes. If your parents smoked and your grandparents smoked and you live there and you never leave the house or the trailer park or the mansion, wherever you grew up and everyone smokes, you are more likely to be a smoker. If everybody eats Fruit Loops for breakfast with a you know, big glass of orange juice, you're more likely to raise your kids doing that. And that is what corporates know. Once they get a customer, the odds of staying within that family, within that family tree is pretty high. Because as families, we stay connected in some fashion. Learn behavior, learn behavior, learn behavior is often why we're right where we are at 50 years old. So they know that. Cigarette companies know that. The sugar, don't get me started on the sugar industry. Stop <laughs> me now. Stop me right now. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But, but as I do bring, I, I do apologize if I was getting so specific with the corporate wellness as that is, you know, I've been in insurance companies and military and oil and gas industries, companies I've worked for. Um, the biggest corporation I ever had was state and national parks. I had over 100 state and national parks at the same time. So I've worked throughout all these organizations, but I wasn't thinking specifically as the the, the big corporates. I was coming from kind of my experience of the wellness standpoint, but in the bottom line, but you're 100%, you're 100% right. They've got stuff figured out and um, 
I'm more nervous for corporations right now, for our country right now, because of the people that are working at home. If you ask me right now, what's my biggest concern in the next year? I love on one hand that we're bringing in quality of life. We're bringing in, oh, go for a walk with your kids and look, you get to be home. I am, I love that. We're talking to our husbands more. We're maybe planting flowers. Makes me so happy somebody might want to work 32 hours a week. But I'm very worried that we're not getting outside of our house. I mean, I'm worried about is there some sort of abuse going on? I'm worried about is someone gained 75 pounds and their mother can't see it because they're so that that what it's doing to maybe introverts or even extroverts, you know, I'm an extreme extrovert. So I'm nervous about these corporations in the next year, year and a half as they just get rid of employees like this. Yeah, yeah, it, because it's cheaper. Then to pay their to pay their benefits, it's cheaper to have the turnover. They just throw a computer at them, go home. Here's your camera. Yeah. Read this manual. Talk to people over the phone. Have a good day. We'll maybe see who you called today. Oh, you can't come in tomorrow. Well, it, so I'm more nervous about that. Well, but at the same time, at the same time, the workplace has changed. Certainly, people are working from home because now they know they can, and so they will. They are. Uh, but at the same time, and this happened in 2008 during that big uh, collapse. Mm -hmm. Oh uh, yeah. And and uh, I don't get, don't even get me started on the whole economic aspect of it. I, I just it was the most unfair situation. I could I couldn't believe it. It's like, wait a minute, what do you mean you're going to bail them out? That's not how capitalism works. If you make a mistake and it costs you your company, you're done. Nobody there to bail you out. I have been through so many financial challenges in my life. I never turned to my family or my parents uh, to, to bail me out. You know, now have I had other uh, people in my network and situation uh, uh, in my net, in my network, in my community who have been there to support me Correct. short term? Okay. Correct. Yes. Yes, I have. But there is no one there who is going to uh, who is going to save me. There's no net. So why was there a net for these major corporations too big to fail, please? But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but the, here's the thing. If And you've heard this phrase over and over and over again, I'm sure. If you don't have your health, you got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow. Now, you know, you talked about weight earlier. You talked about uh, people weighing three, four, five, six hundred pounds. I'm going to tell you, I am five... I'm trying to remember what I am now. Five eight, I think. I, I've actually shrunk an inch in the years. Um, at one point, though, I was five nine. I thought I was five eleven, but I've never been five eleven. <laughs> uh, maybe it was. Guys lie about their height, and men and women lie about their weight. That's right. That's right. Forever. There you go. Anyway, so I was, I was, uh, I was uh, dealing with the high blood and the high blood pressure specifically. Uh, and I was still eating well, okay? I wasn't eating horribly, but I was drinking the sodas. And I actually reached 200 pounds. Now, uh, I didn't look fat. I looked like I'd put on some weight, but I didn't look fat, okay? But it wasn't the 200 pounds that bothered me physically, although it did actually, I'll explain in a minute. It was the psychological that's not me. 200 pounds is not me. I got to I got to get rid of that. I got to figure something out. And I got it back down to I think at that point 195. Then in July of 2020, when I was diagnosed, I was weighed. Again, type 2 diabetes. 
182. 182. I, I was like, well, I like that, but not how I got it. Okay. So how am I going to do this? Then a year later, when I went in for gallbladder surgery, turns out that the hospital bed is actually also a scale. And so the nurse came in and she had me get out of the bed and we calibrated the, the bed and I got back into it. I was 174. Once again, not a diet I recommend. And no, my gallbladder did not weigh 10 pounds or eight pounds. But um, I was weighed recently and I'm still in the low 180s. That is comfortable to me. Um, and that's psychologically, not physically. But at the same time, it was also explained to me specifically about the knee joints. You multiply every pound that you are carrying times four on your knees. Now, granted, you cannot count everything below your knee as far as weight. And that, there's some there. But it's like if you put on extra pounds on your body. Let's say that extra, what was it, 18 pounds. You're not putting it on in your calves mostly. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. But you put on that extra 18 pounds, multiply that times four. That's what you're carrying. That's the pressure. Or uh, when I would, uh, we, we have chickens and dogs and cats. When I would buy a 50-pound bag of chicken feed, I'd put it up on my shoulder. I did not know that the pressure on my knees was now at 200 extra pounds. That's right. Plus the weight I personally was carrying. Um, when I got down to that 182 or the, between 174 and 182, I got to tell you, now I've had, I have had, uh, uh, arthroscopic surgery on my right knee for a torn meniscus and they went in there and they took care of that. They cut away that stuff. It's been perfect ever since. Perfect ever since. But my wife also lost, has lost a lot of weight in the last, I'm going to say the last year or two. She used to have pain in her ankles, in her knees, in her hips, in her back. No, not anymore. Well, there's so much, so many studies right now that you can't even read them all on just yeah. <clears throat> the weight isn't even just about the pressure or the, the visceral fat around crunching the organs. It's inflammation. Inf yeah. If you yeah. Yeah. ever aboard for about five weeks in a row, read all the studies on inflammation and what stress causes an inflammation connection and, and all of that. I mean, that's. Well, wow. but you and you so, just said it. You you said the, the the not the correct phrase. You said the the phrase that I have been trying to get across to people. I said I would say, do you understand that when you put on those extra pounds, it's not just on the outside; it's on the inside too. And what you just said about the comp comp compaction, the, the compression yes. of mm -hmm. the tissues on the oh, yeah. the vital organs. The yeah, vessels, the heart, the water around the heart, everything. the lungs can expand. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. and that's why uh, people who are so uh, again, my, uh, I want to hear this woman sing until she's got blue hair, okay, and then natural blue hair when she's in her nineties. My father is ninety this year. You know, he's ninety and a half actually. <laughs> Uh, my mother, 87, they're doing great. Now, my father's body is starting to um, not uh, cooperate with him. He's got some stability issues. He's still moving around. He gets on his exercise and he, he pedals for a half hour or so. My mom goes to the gym now that they're opening up and so forth. They're right. still active, as active as my dad. But my dad is really, he's kind of pissed off because he's not happy with the way his body is right now. Uh, on I the think one if hand, we could, 
if we could just look at the heart and remind ourselves that it's a muscle, let's mm -hmm. just compare quickly the heart and, and your glutes, you know, mm -hmm. your, your buns, mm -hmm. they're both muscles. So if your heart is doing this all the time, can you imagine if you were doing squats all the time, your buns are going to be tired and sore and irritable and inflamed. And that's what our heart is all the time. Yeah. So doesn't it make sense that we would want to slow it down, reduce the sodium, reduce the visceral fat and, and help it because now it's been beating for 60 years. Yeah. You know, no wonder it's under pressure. No wonder the nothing can get through, you know, the, the arteries. So it's just like, just don't take the, put the pressure on us. that goes, Oh, go work out. You got to work out three times this week. Yeah. Turn it to fitness is fun. Go out and stare and look, just go to the mailbox and back. Go to the mailbox and back. Hmm. Just think of the heart as needing to, we spend more time wanting to do squats than we think about our heart as a muscle. Yeah, yeah. And I have been to every mechanic in town and nobody will replace my heart. Nobody. They won't touch it. I worked I worked for a gentleman. <laughs> I worked for a gentleman at the University of Colorado and he had a heart transplant. I'll tell you, anybody listening, you can call me. You do not want a heart, heart transplant. Trust me. And... So yeah, oh, can it happen medically? Yeah, is it fun? No. So do your damn best to yeah. take care of yourself now. It is a conscious choice. Stop the excuses. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of excuses. Mm -hmm. Just stop the excuses. Have a meeting with yourself. Get real. Get nasty. Listen to whether you tomorrow yourself to death. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And you said started the show on oh, baby steps. Baby steps matter. We yeah. just as a society aren't happy with them because we want immediate gratification, right and we don't believe that. Walking to the mailbox can eventually turn into five pounds lost in a month. It can. Yeah. It's the habit. Brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, mom said. Yeah. Peggy Wilms is my guest. PeggyWilms.com is the website. Health and wellness is our conversation. And this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, I, used, I actually thought about this in terms of brushing your teeth, brushing your teeth every day, every day. I'm thinking, yeah, but... There's going to come a point when you're going to be brushing them so much they're going to wear down. Well, you're not supposed to brush your teeth with a rock. <laughs> but 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 I will tell you that I will tell you that uh, uh, my mother, uh, God bless her, I, I can't thank her enough for the efforts that she made as we were kids growing up to feed us as healthfully as is possible. Now, she did not feed us a lot of sugary breakfast cereals, you know, like Fruit Loops and that kind of thing. Um, I got to tell you, I fell in love with cream of wheat. And, of course, there's another version of it called Farina. Uh, my mother made her own yogurt. She had a yogurt maker. She would actually make yogurt popsicles. And they were almost like orange sherbet. And she would stick a toothpick in. She'd put... Uh, she'd put um, the mixture in an ice tray and a toothpick in each one of the cubes, put it in the freezer. And then we had those at summertime and they were so good. It did take a little getting used to. Okay. But once you got, it was, it was like, are there any more? Can I get another one? You know, they were so well, you good. You probably had a garden too. Most of us. Um, did too. I don't know that she really had one. If she did, I'm not sure where in the world it would have been because we would have destroyed it playing outside. Okay. Um, <laughs> But she also uh, made her own eggnog around the holidays, which was, so, I, I miss it. I mean, do I love the eggnog I get in the store? Sure. But hers was warm. 
it was it was like heated on the stove and then you poured it in a cup and it was great for Christmas. You know, it was, it was sort of the equivalent of hot chocolate. Uh, she really, really uh, tried to get us to try different things as much as possible. I hated tomatoes as a kid growing up. Couldn't stand them. I can't get enough of them now. But I've learned something, too, as I've gotten older and I've learned about these different fruits and vegetables and so forth. In tomatoes, for example, and we're talking earlier about inflammation, the seeds in the tomato are the issue for inflammation. You take the seeds out, tomato's good to go. You're not going to have any problems with inflammation. And you can enjoy them to your heart's content, um, you know, and those types of things. So it's, I, I, you know, my hat is off literally and figuratively to my mother who has always um, been that. And by the way, to my father, too, because when I was over there for Christmas visiting the family, I was staying with my parents. And uh, the mornings that I was there, my dad made us, my mother would make her own breakfast of granola, I guess it was. He would make, he and I, oatmeal. And he loves oatmeal, and so do I. As a matter of fact, there was a time when I was, I'd had my mornings open here in the Santa Barbara area. And I would go to different restaurants for breakfast just to see how their oatmeal was, what their oatmeal was like. You know, um, and I, I, I can't pick one. Uh, but I like oatmeal. I like cream of wheat. My, my wife and I will have bacon and eggs. To heck with what people say. Now, my wife, she doesn't care for the whites. So if we have fried eggs, and I, if I'm cooking, I'll cut away the white, I'll give it to the dog, and she'll just have the yolk. We'll wow. have bacon, uh, maybe a, uh, maybe just a strip or two. Whatever we don't eat, we give to the dog. Uh, greens and other scraps, we'll give to the chickens, because we'll get that back in the eggs. Um, nothing goes to waste in that regard, but it's, it's like, it's not that hard to, to eat well. Um, you know the old saying too, uh, Peggy, Shop when you're going to the grocery store. Shop at the ends of the store, not in the middle. That's where all the processed foods are. Yeah, Brands. go around. Go around. Now, that's in your conventional stores. Now, we have a Bristol Farms. We have a Whole Foods. We have a Sprouts. We have a Trader Joe's. I would have to say that probably most everything in those stores, and I would consider them sort of a specialty grocery store, uh, most of the stuff there is probably going to be okay. It's not going to be the level of process that you would find in a Safeway or a Smith's or whatever your chain grocery store is. Um, but it goes back to that old saying from that old oil commercial. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. And that's the no, doctor. That's the, that's the truth. That's, that's the insurance company. That's the pharmaceutical company saying that. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. Well, yeah. and that's the way I feel about health and wellness. You yeah. can either take care of me now, mm -hmm. take care of myself now, yep. or take care of yourself later. We don't get a free ticket of abusing ourselves forever. Very few yeah. people can do whatever the heck they want to their vessel and just close their eyes yeah. at 90 and go to sleep and go, well, that was a great ride. Yeah, My You either do yeah. it, you know, as soon as you can or... You know, and things will bubble up that aren't even in your family tree. My mom just died of MS at 70. There is no MS anywhere to be found in our family. Yeah. And it just, but I'll tell you, whether it was inflammation, whether it was an environmental issue, she worked in a laser, a ceramic laser company that makes the boards for computers. Mm -hmm. You know, who's to say whatever, but anything we're exposed to, it's a choice. The Nike commercial, just do it. It's a choice that you have. It, it's you got to get outside your comfort zone. You got to rewire a lot of this stuff. And 
I think you said at the beginning of the show as well, we have the answers. Close your eyes and intuitively, you know what's best for your body to eat. You know you need to move. You know who you need to chat with that's positive or negative. And I always say, have a meeting with yourself and you'll show up. Just yeah. pay attention to yeah. it, you know. My beautiful father said to me many years ago, eat, drink, and be merry. <gasps> <laughs> In moderation, mm -hmm. because nobody gets out of this world alive. Oh, I love that. And yeah, uh, I remember at the age of 15 thinking about uh, the fact that as I saw other people, my parents included, as well as uh, other people that I knew, other adults, um, you know, I it's been 15 years, granted, and I've put a lot of junk, uh, love, Captain Crunch. I haven't had it for years, but I used to love it. Of course, I never liked the fact that it tore the roof of your mouth up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but um, uh, I used to think about how, okay, I'm 15. Still got a lot of years to go, and I need to be more mindful of what I'm putting into this vessel. Now, I'm not saying that I took that to heart, and I was very mindful of what I was putting into this vessel. But I was always conscious of that to the point that I never uh, participated in uh, ingesting uh, um, uh, various uh, drugs or ke other chemicals that my peers were doing, not because it was bad or evil or illegal or that it was bad for my body. It just I just wasn't interested. It just didn't interest me. Uh, have I tried anything since? Yeah. Once, uh, actually twice. Yes, I did inhale both times, but that was when I was in my 30s. All right. I did inhale, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have actually uh, uh, used uh, gummy bears, uh, the CBD kind of things, you know, uh, THC and CBD. And I kind of like I, I like that because I can still maintain control with, you know, uh, whereas a lot of people who and my peers used to love to go out and just get wasted. Even today, there are people who just like to get absolutely blotto. I can't do that. I, I, I do not want to lose control. Right. Now, maybe that I don't want to me... lose my next day because I can't get out of bed. Hey, there's that, too. There's too much I want to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to do that. We're talking with Peggy uh, Wilms, and we're talking about health and wellness, and uh, she is talking to us here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Peggy, I, uh, I have to, uh, first of all, thank you for the work that you are doing. You uh, are helping all of us, uh, not only through this program, but through your website, PeggyWilms.com, but also um, just through what you are doing for self, for you. And yes, you did give us that sort of laundry list of the issues your body is dealing with. Yeah, we all have them. And yet here you are, you've, you, you're vibrant, vivacious, you're energetic, you're powerful, uh, you're excited about not just changing your world, your life, your body, your chemistry, um, but that of other people as well who are interested and willing to do it. And I will add one final thing before we wrap up here. And that is when I was watching the commercials for the type 2 diabetes uh, uh, medications that pharmacies would put out, I, um, I had to chuckle because it would say, you know, and uh, uh, you'll be able to get your A1C below 7. And I'm sitting here going, I have never taken your medication 
And I got mine down to 5.7 in a month and a half. Why do I need your medication? Explain it to me, Lucy. I just, I, I couldn't believe what I was, and then of course, this is where my wife and I had this conversation about, and we just, you and I just discussed this a little bit ago, about willpower, about the will to do it, to just do it. Or I loved, we changed it in a personal growth program I went through back in the 80s, early 90s. It's one of those intensives, you know, five, three days, three nights sure. and, and, and two weekend and a weekend. Yep. Just effing do it. Yep. So we just added that extra you little. You don't even want to see what my tattoo says. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know if I want to ask where it is, but we'll. Uh, it's on my wrist, but oh, anyway. Okay. No, no, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> I really thank you so much for, for sharing with us here on the program today. And Richard, I just want to tie up with the storytelling is so important to me. And I, on my website at peggywilms.com forward slash author, I am writing a compilation book. I am writing one of three, 30 authors. We've made it super, super affordable. And let me tell you why I want to do it and why I'm actually on Richard's show. You guys, we have to tell stories. We have to tell our stories. We have to step out there. We have to be transparent and authentic. You will find that you are more like people than not like people. You can change the world, your neighbors. You can stop somebody from wanting to hurt themselves. You can stop somebody from feeling unworthy. They're, everybody's story matters. It doesn't matter if you lost a business or a dog. I want to hear your story. Richard loves to hear your story. Let's get you to be a published author. I've got so seven amazing media partners. Let's get your interview out there. Do not be scared. I got you and I'm rambling. Oh my God, I got to go. <laughs> no, that's, you're, you're doing just fine. That's the thing I love about these podcasts and video cast is they can go on and on and on and it's just beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Whereas the radio version of this program, of course, we're limited, uh, but that's why we encourage people to go to the podcasts as well as the video cast. And uh, the main place where you want to listen to this program is on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, you can go to, uh, you know what? I completely forgot. I believe I'm also on TuneIn Radio as well as uh, iHeart and uh, Amazon Music. So it's really very cool. And then, of course, YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And, of course, we'll also be linked, as I said earlier, Peggy to your website, PeggyWilms.com, so that people can find out more about you. I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you. I ask all of my guests. It's the lightning round of Tell Me Your Story, the game show. And we'll be asking that question, so uh, get ready to write down your answers, uh, and we'll see how much money, uh, or maybe it'll be a brand new car. No, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not giving up my truck. I'm sorry. But before we do that, I want to let you know that you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. Uh, new Paradigms for a New World. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Mondays at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Streaming live at those times, as I've already mentioned, about SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and the video cast on YouTube. And also participate in... The Decade of Perfect Vision, where we ask you to go within and listen to that still small voice. Uh, get the encouragement. Get the support right there. And then also, on the outside of your world, 
Start building your network. Start building your support system in your community. And, and, and you can start with Peggy. You've already started with Peggy with this program. Go to her website and uh, participate with her. Tell her your story. And then, of course, we also hope that you'll help to support us financially uh, by going through PayPal. Uh, with any amount, we greatly appreciate whatever you can do. And it's there for your security as well as ours. And with that, we move on to the lightning round of Tell Me Your Story. And the first of those three questions, who is Peggy Wilms? Peggy Wilms is passionate. She is powerful. She is dynamic. And every time she leaves the room, somebody wants a piece of that. And it is all about energy, sincere energy. Mm. That's it. That's simple. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I want to leave a legacy where when I'm 80 years old and I'm sitting on my porch swing and I'm talking to my grandchildren, I have literally no result, just absolutely no regrets. I've tried everything I wanted to. I've touched as many lives as possible. And so my legacy is literally to leave the world in a better place where I don't care if I get any fan mail and someone says I made a difference. I know that they made a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. kind of. And finally, this is, this is not rehearsed you guys. Okay. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Okay. My life's purpose is, I want to get up every single day and make it a better day than yesterday was, but with no judgment. So my purpose is to continue to grow, get outside my comfort zone, push myself, learn myself, learn a lot about myself. And right now, the next several decades is all about collaborations, relationships, and community. That's well, Peg, my purpose. Well, Peggy, I want to thank you so much. How did for, I do, Richard? Well, you're doing great. And I thank you again for joining us. And I thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. <laughs> As we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.